Once again, my name is Alex DeRosa, and I'm our Family Life Pastor here at New Life. And I am excited to be with you today as we continue our series called All Things New. We're in part three of it, and Pastor Chris kicked us off a couple weeks ago talking about the reality and the joy that Jesus is coming back soon. That he is coming back to make all things new. And I love that he pointed out during his message this. Jesus has been with us through the Holy Spirit's presence ever since Jesus left the earth. But one day, he will be with us physically, tangibly, and we will belong to him and with him forever. How encouraging. Not only for today, but for tomorrow as well. We can get encouraged because Jesus dwells with us right now. Through the Holy Spirit's presence, we can be with Jesus currently. But there's also that promise that he's coming back that someday he's going to return and make all things new. So when things are bleak and when it feels like our messes are mounting and it feels like they're overwhelming, we can take refuge in that truth that we're not alone, that Jesus dwells with us and that he's returning. Last week, Pastor Barry talked about the Spirit. So in this series of All Things New, we're kind of having a mini-series in the middle of it about spirit, soul, and body. Three distinctions that God's Word makes. And so Barry talked about the Spirit and how it's different than the soul. And how at creation, we were designed with a spirit, a soul, and a body. But when Adam and Eve sinned, that spirit died. And then when Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again, if we accept him as Lord and Savior, that spirit is made new and made alive in our lives. And when that happens, we can communicate with God. We literally can commune with God every single day and we can hear from him. He speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. And Pastor Barry pointed out the reality that we are at our best, how we were designed to live when we are controlled by the Spirit. And when we listen and we're guided by the Spirit instead of our souls, which is what we're talking about today. Pastor Barry used a quote from Watchman Nee to describe what our souls are. And I'm going to use that same quote and then tack on a little bit more that Watchman Nee says to help us understand as we enter into this topic. See, Watchman Nee, the writer says, the mind, the will, and the emotions then are the three parts of the soul. So mind, will, emotions. Then he continues, by the mind we think, by the will we choose, and by the emotions we like or dislike, love or hate. So by the mind we think, the will we choose, and the emotions are how we feel. And most often as people, we are completely controlled by our soul. We don't even have to think about it, but our mind, our emotions, and our will usually drive the decisions that we make or fuel us to do whatever we're doing. And here's the truth. Our souls are inherently selfish. Our souls want happiness. They want to be filled with what they want to do. You might have heard people say stuff like, do what makes you happy, and if it feels good, then go ahead and do it. That is all soul motivation. What Pastor Barry talked about yesterday, or last week rather, that if we are motivated by the spirits, we get to live as we were designed to be. But if we are living by our souls, we will end up with a purpose that is less than perfect that what God has for us. We'll be going forward towards happiness. And here's the thing, happiness is fleeting. Happiness comes and it goes. But our souls, what ends up happening is they can get beaten down or discouraged or unhealthy. 
And we can identify when our souls aren't healthy. We can think of it this way. Love, joy, and peace are the results of a healthy soul, while hating, sadness, and worry come from an unhealthy soul. So we can look at parts of our lives and see, okay, this was filled with joy, this was filled with love and peace, and during that season, my soul was probably healthy. But we can also look at seasons of our lives where they're filled with sadness or hatred or anger, and we go, okay, like my soul was probably unhealthy. Now, it's really fun to look at those times in our lives where our souls were healthy, not as fun to look at the unhealthy times, the seasons of our lives. And for me, being completely honest, the last month and maybe a half, maybe two months, have been a realization for me about an unhealthy part of my soul. As I started to write this, I started to realize that 2021 was a really challenging time for me. It was good in a lot of ways. There's a lot of cool things that was happening, a lot of hard decisions, and, and some of it was really great, but some of it was challenging, and it started to weigh on me. And when it started to weigh on me, I didn't stop. I didn't spend time resting. I didn't identify that my soul was motivating me because I was so exhausted. I wasn't searching my spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead every step. I was motivated by my soul, so much so that I started to feel just overburdened with everything I was saying yes to, to the point where I remember over the summer, I was on the porch with Rachel, my wife, and, and I got a phone call, and I just got done talking to my wife about how I was too busy. Someone called and asked if we could set up a monthly meeting, and I said, sure, let's do it. I got on the phone, and my wife was like, what are you doing? You just said that you were feeling exhausted. Why are you saying yes to it? And that continued, adding stuff on until I might not have been burnt out, but I felt like I was knocking on the door of burnout. I felt like I was right there. And if I wasn't careful, it was going to happen. I was going to walk into it. I felt like a character from Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you've ever read Lord of the Rings or watched the movies. J.R.R. Tolkien writes them, and he's a Christian right now in heaven with Jesus, which is awesome. And he, at the very beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, the first in the three-part Lord of the Rings series, this character Bilbo Baggins has this quote, and I've been identifying with it. And Bilbo says, I feel thin, sort of stretched, like butter scraped over too much bread. I'm not sure if you've ever felt that way. I've stretched a feeling like too thin. I feel like you've, you've given so much out, but you haven't been filled back in. And that's how I was, I was feeling for a lot of this last year. And then a week happened that I remember, and I still think, was the worst week of my life. I look back on it, and if I was knocking on the door of burnout, this is where I got pushed in forcibly to that, that feeling of exhaustion and burnout. So over a stretch of seven weeks, I was walking into it knowing that it was going to be busy. I knew it was going to be a lot because it was my finals week for two classes and that were, were particularly challenging. So I had seven papers to write and I thought, okay, I'm in my master's program and it's going to be okay, but it'll be hard. And then I realized, oh yeah, I'm speaking on the weekend. That's okay. It's going to be a little busy, but it'll be fine. And then my, uh, my wife, my, my wife's grandmother passed away, which was sad and, and hard for the family and I was blessed with the opportunity to do the, the funeral. And so that was, that was on it. I said, okay, like it's going to be fine. And then I had the worst phone call of my life where I got a phone call from someone very close to me in my family that told me that they were walking away from, from Jesus and what they believed in. And it broke my heart. And my stepdad ended up in the hospital with some pretty heavy medical conditions, um, some, some problems that was going on. And then I'm telling you, after I left the funeral, 
Minutes after, I got a phone call from someone in my family who was dealing with some deep depression. And I, I don't tell you this to complain. I tell you this only to let you know how I was feeling. I got out of that week and I felt done, just spent. I like to think of myself as, as a really good camel. And I know that you probably think of yourself as a better animal than a camel. But I like to think of like, I can carry a lot, okay? Like, yeah, just put it on the back, uh, put on that hump there. It's fine. I'm going to keep going. When's the last time I had water? No big deal. We're just going to keep on going. And this is where it felt like I just couldn't move anymore. Well, you'd think that. It's okay, okay, Alex, you feel like your soul is unhealthy. You probably went and, and dealt with that. And I didn't because it was Christmas time. And I thought, well... Christmas is going to be a time of rest, unless you have two little kids. Then it's not. It's the opposite. And so it was busy, and then busier. And then I remember distinctly, because I jotted it down, December 28th, I was struggling, and I, I didn't know what to do. I was trying to fix all these issues myself, and I wasn't succeeding. And so I got away. My, I was with my family, and I went into my prayer room. And I know what you're thinking. Wow, you have a prayer room. That's pretty cool. And I'm telling you this, not only a pastor thing, you have a prayer room too. It's great. It's the room that has like a mirror and a sink and a toilet. And if you're lucky, a fan, which is great because then you can really distract from the kids that are trying to break in. You lock that door. And yeah, they might put their fingers underneath the door for a little bit, but they get bored and, uh, and they'll go do something else. And so I escaped. I needed just some time for, for myself and God. So I, I just broke down. And it was this weight, and I said, God, I can't, I can't take this anymore. I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. I'm ready to fix the issues. I like to fix my own problems. So I'm like, okay, tell me A, B, C, and I'll do it. And God gave me a song that came to my heart. And for me, one of the ways that I connect with God most is through worship, through songs and through singing and through connecting with Him. And so during sometimes the, the hardest times of my life, God brings up these lyrics of songs and the one that he brought to me was by a band called Citizen and the songs Relent. And this is in the bridge. It says, I just want to live in peace, but I'm struggling to believe that letting go will give me peace. Can I sit here at your feet? Because this is right where I belong. I can feel it in my soul. You say I'm right where I belong. You see, I was so busy trying to fix all of my issues on my own, I neglected the most important thing I could have been doing, and that was to simply sit at the feet of my Savior and Lord, of the one who designed everything, who understands everything that we go through, and not only sees us as we are during the hard times, but he sees what's next. He sees what we're like whenever those things are defeated and those things are taken out and we are refreshed and renewed. But instead, I just was intent on doing it myself. But to get peace, what it says in that song, our souls understand to get peace, we must sit with our God because that is where we belong. And we have to have the strength to let go. King David knew this. And I love King David because not only did he slay giants and he led armies, but he also wrote songs. And we record a lot of them in the book of Psalms. And in these times, he gets really emotional with God and he just tells God as he feels. And it really gives me and gives us this freedom to talk to God just as we are and not try to hide and pretend we're okay, but to really get honest. And I love in Psalm 62 where it says, truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. 
It almost sounds too simple, like so simple that we want to try other things first. But our souls find rest when we dwell with God. I literally just heard this right before I came up. Pastor Chris told me this, and I can't remember where he said it was from, but he said that a third of people are currently going through something very challenging. A third of people have just exited a time of challenge, and a third of people are about to walk into a challenging time. So wherever you are on that, whether today there's a burden on your shoulders or you can reflect on what just happened to you or maybe there's something down the pike that we don't know about, this take-home point, the one point that this message is all about is for us to, to really get ingrained in our hearts and our minds, in our souls, but also so we can give it over to God and His Spirit so that when those times come, we can rely on Jesus. So the take-home point, the one point this message is all about says this. In order to find rest for our souls, listen, we must give them over to Jesus. As people, we like to be masters of our own souls. We like to be motivated by what makes us happy. But when we do that, we're going to end up losing our souls. But if we want to gain the peace, the love, the joy that is offered to us by God, we must be willing to lay our souls down and give them up to Jesus. And I know that might sound drastic, but it's what Jesus said. When he was talking to his disciples, his disciple Matthew wrote this down later on for us to read. And it's recorded in Matthew chapter 16. And it says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, before we continue, I need to point out something that I don't know if I realized before. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me before he went to the cross. So this wasn't like, hey, you know, you saw how I went to the cross. You do the same thing. This is when the disciples only knew the cross as something that was going to brutally kill people. They didn't know Jesus was going to be hung on there and it was going to be used for our salvation and redemption. So he's serious about this. He's saying, you got to take your ways and you got to crucify them. If you want life. And it continues, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? If, is anything worth more than your soul? In those last two verses, 25 and 26, there's two times where it said life and two times where it said soul. And in the original Greek, both or all four, rather, words were the same. They were the words suke. So the real translation could be, and maybe should be read this way. If you try to hang on to your soul, you will lose it. But if you give up your soul for my sake, you will save it. See, God gave us these souls to be used for his glory. But instead, what we do is we let them drive the ship. It's like God has given uh, me and our family two young boys, but we're not letting them drive the car. Um, they're, they're given to us as a gift, and he's given us a soul as a gift, but the soul is not supposed to dictate everything that we do. So how do we go about it? How do we go release control to something that has been taking over our lives? Well, what do we got to do? We must surrender control of our souls to be truly free of the burdens of this world. We have to surrender control. And again, it's taking something that has been leading us most likely for most of our lives and crucifying it and taking it out and saying, God, you have it. 
Fill me up with your spirit so that I can be led by the spirit and not by my soul. So my soul is not driving, but it is a tool used for your kingdom and your glory. So what do we do? If you're looking for peace today, if you're looking for rest, if you're looking for love that only comes from Jesus, our Savior, from God, the creator, from the Holy Spirit, who's the comforter and counselor, we got to do two things. And God's word is pretty clear on this. we got to do two things, and they are to give up control, we lay down our burdens. That's the first one. And the second one is to allow God to transform our souls. So we're going to take that in two parts, laying stuff down, laying our burdens down to Jesus, and then being transformed for God's glory. See, for me, the laying down is hard. It sounds simple, like, okay, give your issues over. But again, I like to fix things, big things, small things. I like to make sure that I can check it off and it feels accomplished when I fix them myself. But God's way is better. We just saying it. God's way is better. And so when I look at my life and I see even small times that I take it into my own hands, I start to question, what am I doing? For example, my son has this, my oldest son, Ezra, has this favorite stuffed animal called Penguin Friend. This little penguin that used to have a pacifier attached to it, and then we cut it off and sewed it up, and it is now his most cherished possession. He loves penguin friend. Whenever he's sick or he's hurting or he's sad, he wants a whole penguin friend. Whenever he's going to sleep, he wants penguin friend. Unfortunately, sometimes what happens is whenever we go to tuck him into bed, he goes, I want penguin friend. And we go, where is he? And he goes, I don't know, somewhere in the house. So what I end up doing is running around trying to find penguin friend. A couple months ago, my wife had the brilliant idea to make a rule where we would leave Penguin Friend in Ezra's room always so we didn't have to search for him. But as the good time waster that I am, I said, no big deal. I'll just go find him whenever he's missing. And so every night, pretty much, I go around the house and I open every drawer and I look under every toy in the toy box and I'm underneath the couch and I'm in the cupboards because maybe Penguin Friend's in there. And finally... I find Penguin Friend and I run upstairs triumphantly and give Penguin Friend to Ezra and then he goes to sleep. The other day, unfortunately, I couldn't find Penguin Friend. We looked, mainly me because I got kind of obsessive with it, I looked for three days for Penguin Friend. I was sure, I mean, he's a stuffed animal. He didn't get up and walk. This isn't Toy Story. Like, he had to be somewhere in the house. I just didn't know where. So I looked at the normal places, and then I looked again, and then I looked in our room. Maybe he got, he got snuck in there. I looked in the fridge. Why? I don't know. I looked in the trash bags from the previous day. I know, embarrassing. I was like intent. My wife was like, do you love Penguin Friend or does Ezra? And I was like, I don't know anymore. I want to find him there in the garage, not, not in there. And finally, Rachel looked up, and she said three days after looking and said, uh, Penguin Friend's up there. I look up, and on top of the fan blade, Penguin Friend was resting that whole time. And so I tippy-toed up, and I grabbed it, and I triumphantly brought it up to Ezra and said, I, well, your mother found Penguin Friend. And Ezra was so happy. But I tell you that because what we do in life is sometimes forget the easy thing at the beginning, which in this case would have been to, to make that roll and to say, Penguin Friend stays. And instead, what do we do? We run around and try to fix it on our own. We try to find information from everywhere that we can. We look on Facebook. We call our friends. We read a book. We watch a video. We try to get answers from everywhere. And the answer is right in front of us. It's saying, hey, come to Jesus first. Stop running around looking for a stuffed animal. Just come to me and talk to me, and I will give you the rest that you're looking for. I'll give you the answer. Jesus said it this way, and again, his disciple Matthew recorded it. 
Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and, my bur- and the burden I give you is light. So I must ask you today, as we reflect on the words from Jesus, what burden are you struggling with today? What worry, what fear, what anxiety, what doubt do you have? What is going on in your life that you are trying to take control of that Jesus says, lay it down so I can give you rest? Is it fear of getting sick? Is it worry about what's going to happen to your kids someday? Is it the anxiety come, that comes whenever you think you're just not good enough for those around you? Is it a doubt? A doubt in God's plan or maybe in, in God himself? What is it that you're walking through right now that you're attempting to do it alone, but Jesus says, lay it down? Because he wants to give us rest. It's available to us. All we have to do is go to him and say, God, you got it. You are in control. Lay it down, that burden that's on your shoulders, that you're working towards yourself. Lay it down today. And Jesus says, not only will he give us rest, he'll give us peace, but he'll also guide us into how we are supposed to live. It starts with laying it down, and then it says he'll put his yoke on us, and he uses that image, that image of, if you look at farm animals that are, are tied together by this like wooden yoke, or maybe it's not wooden all the time, I don't know, I don't, Pastor Barry should be up here telling you about farm life. I don't know. And, uh, and you put it on and then the, the farmer would guide the animal around so that the animal can do what it's supposed to do, that it was created to do. The design that the farmer has for those animals is accomplished whenever that yoke is on there so the farmer can steer. And same thing with us, that we get to do what we were designed to do when God is leading us, when his yoke is on us, when we follow his path. He'll give us instructions. We don't need to come up with our own things. Say, all right, God, I have these like four lists of to-dos. Which one? We go to him first. And then he directs us and he guides us through the spirit on what to do. And then our soul is used for the spirit and not the other way around. And So we got to lay it down. If we want to surrender our souls so that we get them, so that we can have our souls to be used for God's glory, so we can have this peace, this joy, this love, we start by laying them down and then... We allowed God to transform our souls, to look more like him. And this is written about by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And it's in Romans 12, and we're going to start at, at verse 2, and then we're going to come back and read 9 through 17 a little later. So if you have your physical Bible and you want to look through Romans 12, I'd encourage you to open an hour or get it on your phone either way. Uh, so yeah, we'll do two now and then uh, a little bit more in just a moment. So Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, when I was in youth ministry, people would often ask, what am I supposed to do with my life? And I never had uh, the perfect answer for that because I, I don't see in the future. I don't know what everyone's job should be. But I do know that God has a good and pleasing and perfect plan for all of us. And so I would say that. I would say, God has something for you. What you got to do is get close to God and God will reveal it to us. Because when God starts to transform our souls, 
we become educated in his will. We get to learn what his will is for our lives, and we get to, to know where he's guiding us and what he wants us to do. But it starts by transforming our souls. Well, really, letting God transform our souls by listening to his words first. By trusting in his words before we trust in the world's words. And I know it's so easy to do. It's so easy to listen to someone else and say, oh yeah, they're probably right. When God's the only one that has all the answers. Because he sees everything. He always was, he currently is, and he always will be. And so when we go to him first, it fills up our lives. It allows our souls to be truly alive. It allows our spirits to exist in the life that God has for us. We often think that lies or other people's words will give us the same life that God offers. And it's just not true. It's like oxygen. We need oxygen to live, to breathe. We, we can't just breathe in any chemical and assume that it's going to work the same as oxygen. We can't breathe any substance in and say, oh yeah, that is the same as oxygen. For instance, when I was growing up, uh, I had a pool at my dad's house. He still has it. Our boys love swimming in it. And I would go in pretty much every day during the summer. I like swimming. And I would go in generally by myself because my brother and sister didn't care nearly as much about swimming. And I would go in and my favorite thing would be to throw like pennies or, or anything that sinks. And I would dive in and I would try to get all of them in one breath. And then I would come up when I needed some air because I need oxygen to survive. So I'd breathe it in and then I'd go back under. We also had this ladder that was attached to the pool. And there was like a, a tiny little area around that you could get behind it. And so I would love to like push it out of the way and try to go through each rung till I got to the bottom. And it was always kind of scary near the bottom. And kind of looking back, it probably wasn't smart to do by myself in the pool. But whatever, I'm alive today. And so I would get to the bottom and then I would need to, to breathe. So I would shoot up and it would take a breath of air in. I love swimming so much that I would even dream about it. I remember one night I had this very vivid dream that I was underwater somewhere in an ocean or a sea, and I was breathing underwater. And it was amazing. And I used to think that like Aquaman's powers were pretty lame, but at that moment I was like, oh man, so cool because you could breathe underwater. And I woke up and I thought, man, that felt so real. So I put on my swimming trunks and I went to the pool and I dove in, which it's a four foot pool, so I probably shouldn't have dove, but I did. I dove in. I got to the bottom, and I took a deep breath of water in. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, I can't live off water. I can't breathe in water. I can't breathe underwater. So I shot up to the surface, and I, I hacked up all that water, and I was okay. Thankfully, again, shouldn't have probably done that by myself, but I learned a very valuable lesson that I want us to apply to our lives today. Take that kind of silly, dumb story, and let's apply it to our lives. Not everything you breathe in gives you life. And not everything you let into your soul brings you peace. We get tricked into thinking that other things will sustain us when they won't. We get tricked into thinking that the world has more to offer than God, and it doesn't. Life only happens in the way that it was designed to live when we live it with God. So I got to ask, how are you feeding your soul? How are you feeding your soul? What are you allowing to have influence over you right now? What is having control over your daily choices and activities? We could phrase it this way. Is there something that is disguising itself as a momentary pleasure that is actually stealing your joy, peace, and rest? Is there something from the world that is pretending to give you life, but it really doesn't? 
Maybe it's something that we know is inherently bad, something like gossip or making fun of other people or revenge or complaining, something that, that at the time feels pretty good and then you walk away and you're like, oh no, that wasn't actually something that gives me life. Maybe it's something good, but we've obsessed over it so much that it's become an object of worship, something like retiring early or losing weight or some other goal that might just seem like so big that it motivates our every decision or every thought. It motivates our soul instead of God. How have you been feeding your soul? What have you allowed to influence who you are? Have you been transformed to look more like God or has the world been transforming you to look like itself? Because if we don't watch it, if we're not careful, we're not going to end up with that peace and rest because we're giving control to something else. If you're wondering, like, what does it look like when we give control over of our souls to God? Well, Paul talks about that later on in chapter 12. He talks about how we live when we're within God's will. And only we can do these things when we're with God. And so he, he writes about it. And it's recorded in chapter 12, verses 9 through 17. It says, and as, as we read this, let's think, does my life reflect this? And if not, let's give up our soul and allow Jesus to steer and guide. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Those things don't happen when we're in control. They happen when God's in control. And when we have our spirits guiding us, those things occur and our souls not only will, will be at peace and we'll have some rest, but they'll be used for God's kingdom purpose. And that's really the goal in our lives. You see, God didn't make us for happiness alone. Like that sometimes that seems like, of course we should be made for happiness, but we weren't made for happiness. We were made to live with God and he offers something more, something richer than happiness, which is joy and love and peace and eternal relationship with him. And so he wants to use our souls to direct people to his goodness. And when our spirits guide us, our souls will reflect that and people will say, oh, wait a second. You say about Jesus, is this, is this the result of you believing in Jesus? And we'll be able to talk to them about who God is. You see, giving our soul to Jesus will not only give us rest and peace, but also will be a tool for God to bring people to him. So what do we do? How do we become transformed? Well, we first start by reading God's word. We look at his word first before anyone else's word, and we allow that to transform us by applying it to our everyday lives. Pastor Chris often says that, Information plus application equals that transformation. So if we want to be transformed, we have to apply the word to our lives. And we pray. And I guess I said first we read the Bible, but maybe you pray first and then read the Bible, whatever. Either way, we do both. We pray and we don't only talk, but we listen, which is hard. 
We listen and allow God to guide us. What else do we do? We worship God. We are obedient to what he calls us to do. And we, we spend time with other believers. We specifically find people in our lives that can speak the truth in love, that can encourage us and challenge us to be more like Jesus. We find those people that we can confess our sins to as well. In the book of James, it says, when we confess our sins to one another, we will get healing through their prayers. And this is true. During this time of me struggling, and I'm telling you, this is a progress. I'm still working on it. I think we're all in progress. God's continuing to make us more like his son. As I'm going through this, just yesterday morning, I was feeling the weight. And I went to my wife, and I started to explain it to her. And Rachel prayed over me. And it felt that, that healing from confessing what I was struggling with and from that, prayer, that power of prayer. And the Prayer has power. So we go to people, we confess, not to everyone, but to those that you trust that can pray for you and encourage you and challenge you and be continually praying for you. As we do those things, God will transform our souls. So much so that people will see Jesus through us, through our actions, through, our, as, through the peace that we have. And as we lay down our burdens, as we become transformed, we will get to experience that joy, that peace that love that only comes from God the Father, that is available because Jesus' death and resurrection and gets communicated to us through that Holy Spirit presence. So if you want to live that out this week, and we say week a lot because we believe if you do this for the next seven days, it'll start forming that habit that I pray lasts for a lifetime. Because if you're in that one-third that is soon going to enter into a difficult time, I pray that you'll be living this out beforehand so that when that stuff happens, you know how to deal with it. And if you're in that third that's dealing with it right now, let's do this next step so that we can give to God and we can get that rest. The next step says this, I will give up control of my soul to Jesus this week. Can you imagine what that's going to look like to our neighbors and to our friends and our coworkers if we do that? They'll start to see Jesus and they'll say, wait a second, like you really believe this. This is really true that Jesus did live and die and rise again. I can see it in your life and that's why we are called the ambassadors for Jesus on this planet. And then we'll be able to tell them about the good news of Jesus. If you're in here today and you're saying, I want that peace, that love, that joy, and I've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. How do I do that? Well, here at New Life, we say it's as simple as A, B, and C. A, meaning admit we got to start by admitting that we're sinners, that we fall short of God's glorious, perfect standard. And we admit that we need Jesus as our Savior. We be, we believe, and God is the one true God, and Jesus as Lord, which means master and owner, and as Savior, rescuer from sin and death. And we confess. We confess our sins, ask for forgiveness, and we commit our lives to Jesus. The ultimate rest that we've been talking about today only happens when we give our souls, our lives, everything over to Jesus. If you're listening to this right now and you've never committed your life to Jesus, let me tell you that a new life is waiting for you, that God designed you for more than what you're currently going through, and that God wants to be with you every step of the way, through the hard times, through the good times. 
And if you have not accepted him as Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer alongside me. As I pray, pray the prayer with your own words and your own heart and with your own voice. Pray it out loud if you want to. Speak to the God of the universe like he's asked us to. And by doing so, he will create into you a new spirit and give you rest as you enter into relationship with him. Let us pray. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I fall short of your perfect, glorious standard. I pray that you will forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the one true God, that Jesus came and died on the cross for me and then rose again. I confess my sins to you and I make a commitment right now to have you as my Lord, my owner, and my Savior, my rescuer from sin and death. Give me peace in my soul and allow me to continue to grow closer to you every day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.